Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today's guest is someone who's going to really cause you to stop and think. I'm so excited for it. I'm excited to welcome Brian Gray to our show this week. Brian's the founder and CEO of the Revenue Path Group. Now, Revenue Path Group helps sales leaders all around the world still steer their organizations through times of high velocity and uncertainty, where that fight for re relevance is never ending. Brian's team has several new concepts that I can't tell you how excited I am to dive into with them. Seriously, I'm pumped. These are challenges that every single sales leader needs to address, particularly right now. Now, before founding the Revenue Path Group, Brian led two businesses to the Inc. 500, which is that list of fastest growing companies in the world. To help sales leaders have a blueprint for selling in the post-pandemic world, Brian co-authored The Priority Sale. It's a book I've read. It's a book I highly recommend. If you haven't got your hands on it, we're going to make it easy for you to do so by the end of the show. And his next book is scheduled for release soon. And it's designed specifically for sales leaders to help better define and defend their value in a changing sales environment. If you can't tell, I'm super excited for this conversation. I can't wait to get it started. Brian, welcome to our show. And thanks so much for joining me. Oh, well, Rob, thank you very much. I'm, I'm as excited as you are. Thanks for having me. No, I'm excited. You, the way that you think about some of the things facing sales leaders is just different. And I love it. And so I'm, I've been really looking forward to this as I prepped for this conversation. Why don't we start by having you introduce Revenue Path Group and what you guys do for your customers? Yeah, thank you. What, what we do is we design and construct revenue cultures that are built to withstand accelerating change. You know, see, Rob, we believe the biggest current threat organizations face is becoming a commodity in their prospects' eyes. And what's making it worse, decision-making teams keep getting bigger and their salespeople are being ignored to the very end of the prospect's buying journey. This is driving what we call a race to the bottom. I'm sure all your listeners have heard about the race to the bottom. Yep. It's driven by what we call the three deadly C's. Commoditization, compressed selling time, and consensus decision-making. And we also believe that sales teams are unprepared and ill-equipped to sell how buying happens today. And that's really the reason we do exist, to help them see through this in a way that changes their structure 
uh, so they can avoid what we call this era of value collapse, which is just a byproduct of our accelerating times. Wow. We, we have set the stage for everyone. We got like some really cool conversations. How you do that. If you're like me, like I was, takes a lot to shut me up, Brian, as our listeners know. And when you were going, I was like, I'm just taking it in. And I'm like, wow, I can't wait for this conversation. And we got 40,000 people listening that are probably feeling the exact same way. Before we dive into some of those topics that you just teed up, three C's, commoditization, value collapse. I mean, those are those are interesting terms that you don't hear thrown around casually at, at, uh, at cocktail hour, right? And, and um, so I can't wait to dive into them. Why don't you just give us just a, a high level, how'd you get started in sales? The reason I ask is in four years, I'm still looking for that person that said, hey, when I was a kid, I said, when I grow up, I'm going to be in sales. Most of us are accidentally involved, but we come intentionally, oh boy. intentionally oh boy. We become intentionally successful, right? Yeah. What's your story? How did that lead, lead you to starting such a, a cool group as, as the one you're leading now? Yeah, what's funny is I was talking to my son, who is a uh, collegiate pitcher who's just going through Tommy John, and it's, it's just a crazy journey. And me talking about how when I was his age, I was not nearly successful at baseball, but I had a baseball card shop. So I've always been an entrepreneur. So I found a way to attach myself to a sport of which I was not competitive. Uh, but I, I uh, even through uh, four years at university, somehow in me, I knew I wanted to be into sales. Uh, there wasn't a degree or major for the time. So I started a, a straight commission sales job years and years ago. And for the last, what was it? What were you selling? I got to know. What were you selling? I was selling money counting machines to banks and credit unions. So the coin counters, currency counters, things that operate in the bank vault. And it was a straight commission job with, you know, a draw, but straight commission. And none of my friends, because they all had the consultant gigs and all that. Like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? But man, I can do something that I can, you know, if I believe something, I can achieve something greater and commission, straight commission helps me do that. So the last 30 some years, this is back in 1989 which was before the internet existed, which I think gives me some, <laughs> like to stand on to lead. I know people. those days, baby. I, I was there in those days. Yeah, we are in business because we showed up and we sent thank you notes to people. The, um, so, but, but throughout my life's journey, it's always been trying to perfect the perfect sales call. Bob Knight said this years ago, I'm an Indiana guy, and okay. um, he said he's going to retire when he coaches the perfect basketball game. And that always, that didn't inspire me, but it always got me thinking about what does it take to, coach the perfect game what does it take to execute the perfect sales call so i think i'm an accidental entrepreneur just by trying to perfect what i think is the most inefficient ineffective process of selling that the world's ever seen and we're always faced with different challenges uh pre-internet you had different challenges than you've had over the last 10 or 15 years and i think the the challenges facing us all as sales leader leaders or sales people is going to get much harder in ways we just quite can't quite grasp at this point and that's really what we're trying to do is educate CEOs and leaders to see how they can capture that value. Because if they do nothing about what's happening around them, their value will collapse. And most CEOs I meet or sales leaders did not build their business to be a commodity player, to work to be that lowest price uh, provider. Okay, let's go, man. This is going to be fun. So you keep, you've gone back to the three C's a couple of times. You've talked about this this uh, commoditization as a threat. I, I like that. The, the biggest threat. In fact, I think it's on the back of your book. That's actually our elevator pitch too, which yeah, I there it thank is. you. Thank you for that. Yes. And I think and when we talk about getting to higher level decision makers who don't think they need what it is you're really offering, you better have a take 
that connects to a threat that they have. That's a, that's a part of a conversation I hope we can delve into uh, because most salespeople cannot influence, persuade, or convince a higher level decision maker to meet with them unless they're looking to buy something. And that's a problem. That's a fundamental problem with selling moving forward. All right, there's so much. So we're going to run out of time fast. I'm going to apologize to everybody because people are, are going to be mad that this time ends. So I want to only get on point. I will say to our members of Sales Leadership United where they get some of the video snippets, I held up that, that back of your book and they'll see that there. That, let's start with that. Like I was going to like have you just take us on this journey together. It, everything's changed in sales, man, everything. I, I say to people, if you haven't sold in the post-pandemic world, I really don't even care about your pre pandemic sales experience anymore i just don't care because it's changed that's so a much. great yeah absolutely rob that's exactly right and, and so let's start with let's start with that when you work with someone when you when you work with a team or an individual or whatever the people that you work with where do you start is it this idea of of, of avoiding commoditization or, or is is that is that the best place for us to start this conversation yeah i think so and i think that we'll delve into how our brains make buying decisions because yeah. of all the great ideas out there of all the it, you can't be in the business world today without a great idea that has a solution to something. But what actually gets anyone to take action? And that's usually bubbles up to being something like a priority. People only act on their priorities, but priorities are nothing more than commitments to make my threats go away. Hmm. So when you say, where do we enter the situation? So we shared our elevator pitch, which you shared on screen there a second ago. And what that's designed to do with a CEO or a leader or a higher level decision maker, is to connect to their real threats in a way that this person understands me. That's exactly what I'm feeling. I, I believe this race to the bottom. I'm seeing it happen all around me. I don't know what to do about it, which is what a great insight should help any one of your sellers do is to get someone's attention before they even think they need something. And ours happens to be rooted in them saying, why do we always have to make it about price? Why are we always brought in at the last minute? Why are we always competing against the same two or three people? And why are our marketing leads always putting us in a pool when they're talking to everybody else? And this is just a, and it, it's, it's exactly what's happening because of acceleration. In artificial intelligence, Rob is going to make it even worse faster. So this, this need to connect with a, a sales leader, or CEO or a high level decision maker about something that's really, really bothering them, but they can't find a solution to. So ours is that race to the bottom. We're getting hammered. I don't know how to get out of this. We're buying training. It's not working. Our messaging's not working. And it seems like you can help me because you see the world the same way I do based on our insights. So when you talk about this, I love this. I want to spend some time on this. I'm going to reference your book. This is going to give you a little proof that I did actually read it when you sent it to me. Uh, I remember the story of the architectural firm that uh, was pitching and they went and crushed it and then they find out they didn't win. And so they go and they get because it's public record and it turns out their pitch was no different. And it was a commodity thing. And the difference maker was who was the person that was closest to them. Did, yeah, did I say that right? Yeah, hundred percent. And it, it was fascinating to me that, that not just they were that. So I told you I read your book. Story. Yes, you did. That's a great <laughs> example of it. Um, because it, it, because it, it's, we think we do great work, right? They, the prospect nodded their head. They smiled at me a lot. And I, I was on a roll as an old letterman thing. I was butter because I was on a roll. I still think that's funny. My wife always smacks me when I do that. <laughs> I was buttered because they felt great, but that they chose to go <laughs> watch the other, the other submissions and they realized that, wait a minute, we're all you know, promoting great projects. We're all showing this. We're all saying that. And you think about all the brains 
on the other side of the table that are sitting there looking at these three finalists and they can't tell a difference between one of them. So here it is, you think you've got it going on and you're super clear and super clean. And then when you step back, it all sounds, looks and acts the same. Yeah, what I, the, the biggest thing that got my attention in that story is when they said, oh, well, we didn't win. We must have come in second because we should have won. And then when they watched, they read the transcript, they go, everybody thought they got second because there was no, no difference. So I like as you're, you're talking about this, this idea of not being commoditized. And that story to me is a really interesting story of people being commoditized without even knowing it. So maybe that's the first place that we, that we talk about this. If we're going to overcome commoditization, you talked about connecting to things that really bother them. And I think a lot of times um, people are, are more transactional. They connect to what people are asking about. And then, you know, as long as I fill the order, I should win because I gave you everything you said you wanted. What more do you want? And am I looking at that right? That the first way to overcome commoditization is do more than just take orders? Well, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're in the business of taking orders and paying high commissions for when that happens, artificial intelligence in the next three to five years is going to take away order taking because it makes no sense to spend the money you're spending and pay the commissions you're paying for someone just to take orders and be a helpful salesperson. That's really where value collapse kicks in 100%. So we have to be on a, a mission to get our sellers selling earlier in the journey and at a higher level. And, and one thing about the bothering them, you're right, not bothering them is different than can you do this? Do you want this? Right. How much? That's what yeah, I'm glad. Me. I want to sit in that, Brian. Let's sit in that because you got 40,000 sales leaders that are listening to you. If they're like me, they're already on page two of their notes. I'm, I'm taking notes on this one. I appreciate you teaching me here today. Um, I want to give our, our leaders that are listening to you right now some, some ideas on how do we move past talking about that and how do we connect to things that are bothering them because you're right it's i i guess I'm, I'm i'm maybe taking too much time on this because i know we got a lot of things i want to get into the brain side i want to get into value collapse but and the three c's but this idea i have i work with a lot of sales leaders i work with tons of sales leaders like like you do and, and when i work with some of their reps they always tell me man i don't know what's wrong they they you know when someone told me what they wanted isn't that like the same as earning the right to pitch our solution for giving them what they wanted I hear that frequently. You probably have heard that too, right? Absolutely. And so what, well, what do we tell our leaders about how do we fix that? How do we overcome that? Well, the, people might find joy in thinking, boy, I just need to get an earlier to higher level. By the way, no one ever says, I don't want to do that. Everyone wants to do that. But they, what they don't understand, Rob, is what comes with that, with, with that opportunity. So if you say, I'm not going to wait to the prospect shopping where I can be helpful answer their questions and give them what they want, yet I'm competing with three other companies that can do the exact same. I want to now sell earlier at a higher level before they even think they need something. Now, when you start talking about the brain and I want to address when you say what's bothering them, because I want to strike forever and always find their pain points. All right, let's go. Go pain baby, point. go. Because pain point, I I can give, I could probably list, Rob, if you made me do this, in 10 minutes, I could list 48 pain points in my house, in my life right now. Now, how many of them am I ever going to really take action on? Maybe your top 10%. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And those yeah. are usually my priorities, which are attached to a threat. So it's not about pain points. It's not about finding someone's pain points because we don't act on pain points. It's not even about finding what your concerns are because we're concerned about a lot of things that we don't our brains don't do anything about 
our brains, all of our decisions happen what we call the primitive brain level. In the primitive brain, Rob, it only wants to keep you safe and alive, both physically and socially. It wants to make my threats go away. So we don't talk about pain points anymore. We don't talk about concerns anymore. We talk about threats. What is threatening to an individual or an organization? Guess what my threats are? My threats are my organizational priorities. So I love your definition of priority. About five minutes ago, you mentioned that you were on a roll, so I didn't stop us. And I, I wrote it down and I put a, a star by it. Can I make sure I got your definition of a priority right? Because I think that this is big. Um, I think problems, which we're, you're saying we're going to strike, find the pain points, those are what lead to priorities, right? And so I love your idea of, of, of creating prioritization, if I'm understanding you correctly. And, and your definition I wrote down is priorities are a commitment to overcome something. Is that right? Yeah, it, a threat. It's got to be a threat because okay. otherwise it's not really a priority because I'm not really, you know, pain points. Yeah, I'll do that. You know, sure, we all need to upgrade this. Sure, we need to do that. And, and that's where when people, sellers think they're really nailing it because they're addressing things that, yeah, it's a problem, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Right. So it's you more know, of a nuisance. Absolutely. And, and we look at selling earlier at a higher level and getting in before they even know they have a problem with something using insights or an elevator pitch like I've shared to do yeah. that. You've got to connect to one of their priorities or they're not going to give you any time or attention because we say this, that there are at any point in time, there are 17 great ideas your prospect could act on. Right. Because when you're selling earlier at a higher level, you are now, Rob, competing against all kinds of competitors. This is a big difference. When you come in late, when your sales people traditionally come in late, which is too low, too late, they're competing against two or three other similar solutions. Makes sense, right? I got to beat those two or three people. I'm trained to do that. I'm prepared to do that. I know how to talk better about us than them. When you're selling earlier at a higher level, you have to realize that there are 17 completely different great ideas that they could act so, on at any point in time. So good, Brian. So good. And so as a result, the interaction and the, and the, the conversation you have totally changes, right? 100%. It, 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 it changes, but it doesn't change who you are. And this is where I, when, when I talk about sellers today being unprepared and ill-equipped, <sighs> let's talk about the equipped side. The equip side is, as you as a sales leader, the preparation to me is on your sellers. It's like showing up at training camp. You better show up at training camp in shape, right? You better, you better be on the edge of what it takes to be successful. But when it comes to this sports team, we're getting close to NFL training camp time. Yep. They provide you a playbook. You show up in shape. I'll give you the plays to run. Then we'll win. So I look at this equipping your sellers with what it takes to get to priority. Right. What what kind of conversations can I have to have the so I ensure I'm one of the top two or three priorities of the 17 great ideas? How you get there? You have to understand the real impact of what you what you do. Not features, not benefits, not pain points solved. I'm talking the real impact. And we have an exercise we work through on how to how to understand what your real impact is. And once you understand your real impact. Then you just got to connect it to their top priorities for them to say, Rob gets me. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Can you come back and share this with two or three other people? And that's where you really create an inside sales, an, you know, an inside champion for you at a high level.
I know we're oversimplifying, but we have nah, to Nah, this is good. P creating priority. Now that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's 10 times different than solving a problem. I love how you framed this. And I'm slowing down because I know we got a lot of topics, but I'm slowing down because I think this is a different way of thinking that people are going to have aha moments. And I want people to think through how do I create priority? So so let's talk about that. They're selling earlier. There's a whole conversation on what on how you do that, probably. Yeah. Um, what and now it's going to make a lot more sense to our members of our listeners on why this understanding of how the brain makes decisions. If we're trying to create priority, because I would always be rather selling against those 17 other priorities instead of the three or four people that might be like me that turns it into that race for the bottom. And the fastest way is just don't sell against them start earlier in the process right absolutely and i'd only correct one thing the 17 great ideas and the reason i want to talk about great ideas versus priorities Love is it. thank you for making that distinction thank you yeah absolutely and only because because i think it's important when you hear things like solution selling being a popular thing every one of those 17 great ideas is a solution yep and and, and what i'm saying is solutions don't get bought there's a solution for everything so why are you selling a, a solution sale when it's only priorities that buy? So, so you're, but you're 100% you're right. We'd all rather be competing against the world of ideas at a higher level than, than banging it out with two or three other people in the prospect's brain, to your example with the architectural firm. I can't tell the difference between any of the three of you. So what's unique about these folks? Well, they're just down the street, right? Yeah. And, and I don't think anyone wants to lose uh, because we weren't down the street. So yeah. I can't think of a worse reason to lose, right? <laughs> yeah. There's be. a couple bad ones, but they're not anything worse. <laughs> yes. That's a horrible reason to lose. Okay, so I love this. So, so take us like we got we we still got about half an hour to, yeah, to dive good. into this, and this is going to be a good half hour. I, I, there's so much meatiness here. So this idea of creating priority, creating prioritization. Now, we've talked a little bit about why commoditization exists, and I, I think it makes perfect sense. It's because too often we're late in the sales process and, you know, people say, hey, you know, vendor A, vendor B, vendor C, they're not partners, they're vendors at that point, 100%. all of which can probably do it. So let's see where we get the best deal, right? Whereas priority one, priority two, priority three, which one do we fund? Um, I think those are two different deals. Um, where would you take this? Where, 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 if we want to have these leaders that you're talking to right now, help their teams learn how to create priorities that lean to them, where do you start? I would start with uh, a couple things. That's actually the right question. Thank I you. would start by understanding, because if, if you say, Brian, I believe you that we need to sell one or two levels above where we're currently selling, right? Because by time, what Gartner said even before the pandemic, the 83% of the buying journey yeah. is done before they start Yep. bringing in sales. It, it, Rob, we go back to our days before the internet. We were relationship sellers. We were in earlier because we were the we were information distributors. So the, the problem is too many leaders today were successful with a completely different paradigm, which I want to bring back the concept paradigm because it got beat up in the 90s, but I'm telling you, it's so appropriate to today. Okay. So we need to, we, we're reared in being helpful, being brought at the last minute, but we have to be in earlier at that higher level. And we have to understand if we're trying to get to the CFO, what, it, what is it throughout the day that the CFO, she drags around in her brain all the time that she just wishes would go away? Because if we understand the threats, 
that a CFO carries around all day, every day. Do not talk about your, even think about your product. But if we understand what's threatening to her at a social level, not a physical level, because our human brain can't tell the difference between reality and fiction or real or intangible. So this idea of what, what threats do they always want to make go away? Is it a, is an embarrassing board meeting? Is it, you know, like, you, you know, th those things that we, we pay a lot of money for, to make that never, ever show up my radar screen again. So if we understand the real threats of those higher level decision makers, now we need to go through an exercise. I call it, so what, so what, so that, who cares? And that is we look at what our, we call our differentiators, right? That's just an, a, a slightly evolved word from features, isn't it? What are yes. our differentiators? But what if your differentiators are the same as all your other three competitors? Yep. So we need to take a look at what our differentiators are as we think they are and ask ourselves, well, so what, so what? so that, and then who cares? Because our human brain will not make inferences. Hence the acronym, assume. We may, when we assume things, what happens? So we have to take the brain through a journey. It doesn't go there on its own. So on one hand, we have what your threats are. We, we deeply understand those. We stay committed to making those go away. Secondly, we take the solution, the real impact of what we do. The real impact. So what? So what? So that? Who cares? And then we simply align them. I know that sounds overly simplistic, Rob, yep. but that's that's the work we would do, even if it took two or three weeks to get there. The fact is that work needs to be done. It's simple. It's hard. It's not complicated. Because when you understand the real impact of what you do in the real threat, it helps eliminate. All I have to do is connect it to the people who find that threat to be accommodating. It's it, and so then it manifests itself into an elevator pitch. We believe, Rob, the biggest current threat you face, blah, 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 blah. And, as, and I've had so many CEOs that have started a conversation with me. They'll say, Brian, I've heard great things about you. What do you do? Yep. By the way, don't tell them what you do because what you do does not drive any kind of decision whatsoever. I had one of our largest clients, CEO said, hey, I've heard great things about you. Steve's a great guy. I've heard great things about you. What do you do? I said, Steve, we believe the biggest current threat you face is becoming a commodity in your prospect's eyes. And you know what's worse? And once I got past the three deadly C's, I'm about, I'm about 20 seconds in max. He said, Brian, I want to stop you right there. He said, we are living those three deadly C's. We are offshore is killing us here. And then the high-end consultants are squeezing us here. We're stuck in the middle. We can't do this. We can't do that. We're having issues with this. And then all of a sudden, trust is built within 24 seconds. Love it. And so then we can have a real conversation. This is what's interesting. Steve's a CEO of a probably 2,400 employee company. He stayed with this through the first two sales. Why do you think Steve stayed with these opportunities? And showed up in the meetings, even led the meetings, but let, you know, shared the whiteboard for the first two sales, which were probably the first nine months of, the, of our relationship. Why do you think Steve stayed with that? Because I'm going to guess, tell me if I get it wrong. I'm going to guess it has something to do with the, importance of that threat to go back to that word you're using that threat was so real and close and personal to the individual success of the ceo that it was worth prioritizing his time to stay close to it and i i don't think i could have scripted that better that's well done rob that's exactly right because it, it versus oh will you do uh messaging development brain work uh pitch decks um i need you to i need to introduce you to blah 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 because they run this i mean that's what we get stuck with. And that, so, so to me, an elevator pitch isn't some trite way to get a conversation started. It's an opportunity. I call them moments of truth. It's a moment of truth to 
create value versus being just discounted, delegated down, and for never, ever seeing that person again. I, I had one, um, and, and I'm only, not just about me, I'm doing this to drive the importance of this. I had one prospect call me again, heard great things. What do you do? I start, I was sharing my elevator pitch, didn't know this guy, never met him. He starts snickering as I'm sharing my elevator pitch. Okay. I'm like, hey, uh, why, why are you laughing? He goes, everything you just said is exactly what we're dealing with. He, sa- he said, and then also here's trust. Up until two years <coughs> ago, we were growing like crazy. And over the last two years, we've been flatlined. And then it starts explaining to me why they're being flatlined. We all can do this. This isn't about me, Rob. This is what we all can do. And here's, as a sales leader, I challenge you. You have 10, 20, 80, 300 sellers out there every day. And you're telling them, get access at a higher level. Let's get in front of the sale. And you're poorly equipping them. I, I believe, and I want to challenge this because we are working with leaders here and we have to be vulnerable and challenge each other. And I think we have to understand our responsibility as leaders to equip them. Yes, they need to be prepared. They need to show up ready to sell. They need to get over all the self-limiting beliefs and all those things, but you've got to equip them so they can get that access because if you don't, you're the one suffering. So let's talk about equipping because I think that you're going to, you just, I don't know about the people listening, but me, I'm on page three of my notes now. And this idea of equipping is, you know, enablement is an overused term in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, it's become big. It can be strategic when done correctly. It can be, but I love the word equip. It's interesting, like that that's the word you love because I love the word equip. I, I think it's a far more powerful word. Can we spend a little time giving some insights to our leaders on things they should consider if they want to really equip? Because I don't think... I don't even want to say what I think will be. I know what the enablement teams often do. I know. I, I want to hear what you think it means to equip no, because I'm I know. dying. Yeah, this is going to be good. When I first heard the word sales enablement six years ago, I said, what is that? And I'm still saying, that. <laughs> you know, but I understand the intent and the purpose, but I don't think anyone understands what it means. Okay. Um, let's start here. Uh, for all the good that marketing teams do, I will say this, marketing teams get you in the room at the 83% mark. If you look at the nature of search and the nature of getting a lead, a lead okay. means they're ready to start talking to somebody. So there, and that's why salespeople complain about the leads. They're already talking to three other people. They're already doing this. They're already doing that. Makes sense. So I'm not saying stop that, but I'm saying if you are going to adopt this this culture of earlier access at a higher level, we need to equip them. What do we need to equip them with? Number one, we got to equip them with. We call it a priority pitch. You can call it an elevator pitch. It's really the first 18 to 25 seconds of interactions designed to build fast trust. And that has to be done right. And even in front of that, well, once you have that, then you create what we call insights. And insights are nothing more than, that's why this is happening to me. We call our insights are the three deadly Cs. We create all kinds of content around the three deadly Cs, commoditization, compressed selling time, and consensus decision-making. And these insights allow us to create subject lines that are way better than, hey, you have 15 minutes to let me understand your world. Remember when that was hot? Rob, you got a 15 yes. minutes to find out what's going on in your oh, world. Yeah. Like, who, who in their right mind? So what I love, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing pause again, man. I, and I hate pushing pause on you because you got so much. We're going to have to have you come back for a round two, I think. It'd be my pleasure. 
Um, and we're definitely going to have you on Sales Leadership United doing a couple of master classes. So we'll, we'll dive in deep because there's 600 people in there that are listening right now, too. Well, and so I hope this is strong to make, get them to want to join. Let's get that number Let's up. Let's go, baby. Um, yeah. What I like is your first place for equipping, not enabling, your first place for equipping. Uh, you call it something different. I'm, I'm calling it the 30 second commercial that builds trust. And there you um, go. There you go. That, it, that's what it does. Yeah. It's a 30 second commercial that doesn't say what you do. It's a 30 second commercial that builds trust. That second part insights that build trust. That's the, to get that down to 30 seconds, that takes some work because I remember, I think it was Ben Franklin who said, I'm going to get it wrong. Said if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter yep. or something like that yeah so i wrote you a long one instead absolutely yeah. because yeah. it's easier just to throw everything out there and all but what it does the brain it confuses the brain it disengages the brain it does all kinds of bad things so i love like yours is the perfect example the three c's yours again i'm holding up you got yours on the back of the you got yours on the back of a book right here it's easy it's in red those three things there they are yep um any advice to sales leaders listen you know help your people be able to answer that and 30 seconds in a way that builds trust or has them say, tell me more or let's talk or whatever. Is there like, is there like, like one or two thoughts? Here's a couple things you ought to do if you want to get started. Cause I, I would love it if we had a whole bunch of people start this week, say we're redoing our 30 second commercial. Yeah, th th that's a great point. So um, if you go to valuecollapse.com, I'm, okay. I'm chucking so many resources there and I'd like to work with, talk to, Every single one of your sales leaders on there, because Rob, I think they're all like you and I, and we can each talk to them because they're, we're all facing the same challenge. But from a resource perspective, when you think about the 30 second commercial to build trust, this is all about um, connecting to the primitive part of the brain as quickly as possible. And if you really want to be discouraged yet hopeful is have your sales team line up or around the Zoom room and have them in 30 seconds or less share the compelling reasons why a prospect should talk about this and now. Not about why you. When you're brought at the last minute, Rob, through the comparison, why should I pick you? We got to answer two different questions, two completely different questions earlier. Why this? I got 17 other great ideas to act on, man. Right. Why this and why now? And if we think about that, then we got to think about the movie trailer guy in a world where, right? Because they've got, what, 60 seconds to sell you on spending 15 bucks on a movie. So you have to be able to connect the primitive brain. So there's a journey. It's a dip that we have a, a chart that walks through the steps of how to do this, because you've got to share a you got to share a pain that drives to a threat. Again, pain points don't get acted on. Threats do. Threats are prioritized at the primitive brain level. So we have to pull a journey down to connect at that threat level where my brain subconsciously says, "Oh my God, that's exactly what's happening to me." And then you lift out quickly by sharing how you and your organization are uniquely qualified to make that go away. So many people believe it takes years to build relationships or around the golf and blah, blah, blah. It's not about relationships, by the way, it's about trust. Mm. And I believe you can build fast trust with someone within 18 to 24 seconds. It's crucial when you're reaching out to someone who is not ready to buy anything from you now. And they're asking themselves, why should I discuss this and why now? And go around the room and ask your salespeople in 25 seconds or less, why should a CFO take a meeting with us around this now? And what you're going to hear won't be discouraged. And you being a leader, I challenge you, with what you hear, would you meet with them? The answer is no. So we have to now say, okay, how do we make this better? 
there's a, there's a model, I call it the dip, where we actually pull the brain down, reach the primitive brain and pull it out. Because once you do that, then it becomes you gain control only by questions. So Rob, tell me about what's happening with you. Where have you seen this? I, you mentioned this, tell me more. And all of a sudden you're starting to see this, this connection happen in alignment, which is really, really important. You gotta hunt for the opportunity and you gotta align with that high level decision makers priorities. And then we continue the journey because we're getting in way before they think they need something, which is the only place to be moving forward. And it's going to take a little work to get there. So you should be wanting to hear, we don't have budget for that right now because they aren't even prioritizing. That's actually a good sign, right? A hundred percent. Because yeah. I want to work with people who can actually move budget around. hundred percent. Yeah. Like when I started this business, like coaching coaches are like, we don't have that budget. Every single customer that I landed never had a budget, but they got it fast. Once we did what you talked about. Absolutely. And, and it's successful. Yeah. People have done this inadvertently. You know, it's like, it's like why people like, why they're a hunter, they're a wizard. They're a, when you use mystical and mythical terms to describe salespeople, it means you lack process. Because you have to say that again. No, that's too good of a drop. Say that again. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, they're like a, he's a sales guru, sales wizard, magician. Uh, you know, my belief is when you use mystical and mythical terms to describe something, you have no process. So, it, and that's great when we still had margin and value even were brought in late, but that's going away. So, every single seller you have must be able to operate at the level of what your previous gurus, magicians, killers <laughs> operated. But yeah, so we, we, we've stumbled through success in the past, but what people have not been able to do is operationalize it. Okay. All right. So is there a, anything else? So we talked about the, you say 18 to 24, but I'm going to give them another six seconds, 30 seconds. To, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's give, I'll give it another six seconds, 30 second yeah. commercial that, that builds trust. I, I, I like that. You've given a great framework. I, I love that. I, I think people could start doing what you just said. I love your idea in your next sales meeting in this week or next week sales meeting, do that exercise that Brian just said, go around the zoom room, or if you're back in the office, go around the room and have everybody give you the 30 second commercial literally have the timer go like, can you do it in 30 seconds? How far can you get like, do that. And uh, if you can't get like Brian, Brian, you did it like five or six times today with your three C's it's down and you're right. It's compelling. Um, I think that's something you should do. Is there anything else that you'd say, this is one other thing you want to do if you want to equip, I don't, I don't want you to just give away all of your secret sauce, but is there another thing that you would say, this is something you want to think about if you're going to equip rather than enable? Yeah, no, that absolutely. And I think that, the, the, um, the 30-second commercial is clearly important. Yep. The insights are going to be used in our outreach, right? So we need to use insights to, to drive our content to get that access earlier. I think the right insights could be great subject line. Look at most emails you get from salespeople prospecting you. They're, 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 they're horrible. Yeah, they're, they're horrible. horrible. They don't connect to my brain at all. They, you know, once is I'm a recruiter. Well, they don't even know my personal opinions of what a recruiter is. And what a recruiter doesn't solve any threat for me. If you extrapolate it out, you might be able to find something, but my brain's too lazy to figure out what value recruiter is going to do for me right now. So we got those. One thing we also, it's important to build is we call them quick pitch decks, right? They're, they're just, they're, they're visual representations of your 30 second commercial, because if we're in a zoom room and we're, we got two or three other people on the call, we, we want to use visuals because visuals are how you get to the primitive brain. The primitive brain does not know how to read. So we want to make sure we have the right 
visual pitch deck that's really tight, really small, that allows you to start driving the right conversation. That, that's really what we're striving for is the right conversation around the right things early. So there's a component list. A couple of those are on messaging Let, side, but sales tools as well. Let's sit on that. I think this is like, I want to take one minute on this and then I want to have you take open night at the improv with our last few minutes. I, I want to go wherever you think is most important because Brian, I'm, I'll thank you now. I'll thank you. This has been even more cool of a conversation than I thought. This has been awesome. Oh, Rob, you're nice. Um, I want to talk about, you said something I think is super important. Your brain doesn't know how to read. I think that's super important. I mean, I, I, I want to stop on that because I think that's a big enough deal. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. I think my, the way I understand mindset and the way the brain works, your brain thinks in pictures. That's the primary way it thinks. I say pink elephant. You now suddenly have an image in there, whether you wanted to think about it or not. 100%. I don't care if it's a stuffed animal. I don't care if it's a Disney picture. I don't care what it is. You have a visual of a, of a that's why I like what you talk about this visual representation of your 30 second commercial that builds trust, because that's the reason storytelling is so important is because of the way your brain works. And that's the reason pictures like for high performers, they're taught to get images of what success looks like and take your old pictures from your old identity, replace them with new pictures of your new identity. That's a super important behavior for high performers at anything that they perform in. Is that what you're talking about? Is it like, when you say that the, the mind doesn't read, I, I'd like to get a little bit more depth on that because I think that's a big, a big thought. Yeah, especially when you go around the room in this exercise, you challenge your sales leaders on, they'll hear a lot of facts, figures, logic, and data when people get the 30 second commercial. And there's two parts of the brain, the rational brain, and the primitive brain. The rational brain is the part of the brain that knows how to read. It, it calculates, it it justifies, it takes a, a disproportionate share of your energy and your blood flow to keep it awake. 90% of all decisions happen at the primitive brain level. The primitive brain level is the oldest part of our brain. It's where 90% of all decisions happen, doesn't know how to read, and all it wants to do, Rob, is to make my threats go away, both physical and social. So why do we need to use things visually to use stories? Because stories are how not just how we communicated, but that's what actually is the spark to a decision. And you'll find that when you have your team give that 30 second commercial, a bunch of logic and rational data, but the rational brain, we use it so little because it takes so much energy that we only engage it to justify the decision or the commitment we just made. So it's not that your sellers can't use logic and data. They're just using it at the wrong time when you're trying to reach the primitive brain. We, we get hit with 10,000 messages a day, only a hundred breakthrough. So that wow. your brain, because it takes so much energy, you, you burn more calories in a chest, a champion world-class world chess player in a day than playing three or four hours of basketball, just sitting there playing chess. It really? takes so much energy to use your rational brain. We choose not to use it. But your salespeople are going down the road trying to use logic and data to win your attention. And it, it doesn't make it through the filter. Killer. We have literally like four or five minutes. I want to make sure we have time for people to get a hold of you. Yeah. Is there like a final thing? Like there was a lot that we got into. There was a lot we could have got into. Is there like a kind of a final thing you want to bring up or, or, or someplace that you want to go before we start to wrap and we let people know how to connect with you? No, I, well, I, you know, I, I, there's a couple areas, but I think the most important thing is as leaders, you're going to be challenged. This isn't, this isn't our problem. This is the world's problem. We live in a world of acceleration where the rate of change and the speed of rate of change is accelerating at the same pace. 
And as leaders, we have to steer our teams and organizations through this arena that we're not comfortable with. We say we like change, but our brains will prove it, biologically speaking. It's called homeostasis. We don't like change. We like things just to be okay. So these are dynamics you're going to have to fight through as a leader. So I think that the real takeaway is you're going to have to build a stronger revenue culture in order to combat this accelerating change. And if you let accelerating change continue to happen to you, that 83% of the journey, Rob, done before they invite your salespeople in, it will soon be 100% because AI will take over the sale in the next three to five years. So we are now in an emergency spot where we can gain opportunities if we start selling earlier at a higher level. And we've covered quite a few of those concepts today. It's not an easy journey. It's not complex. It's hard, but it's simple. And that's, I think, the biggest challenge for leaders today is how they lead their organization through times of high velocity and uncertainty. Brian, I really dig what you're working on. This is awesome. Um, I'm going to throw out the three rapid fire questions and do that next time you join us. I, I would rather spend a couple minutes now on how do they get more of you? How do they connect to you? How do they learn more about Revenue Path Group? How do they get your books? Um, how, how do they pick up what you're putting down? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of what you're uh, doing and your approach fine. to what's going on. How, how do they do that? Well, a couple of things. Find me on LinkedIn. It's Brian S. Gray. So connect on LinkedIn. Also, go to valuecollapse.com. I, what I really want to help do is every sales leader out there, let, let's just stay focused on your audience. Forget the other guys. Okay. For your large audience, let's, what can we do to provide resources for them? Because whether we work together or not does not matter to me. Um, what matters to me is that we move this business and this industry forward. I'll always be taken care of on the, the clients we work with. I don't worry about trying to do any of that. So I will share with you uh, a, a lot of resources that are going to help you start leading through this accelerating change. Valuecollapse.com. If you want to learn more about our, our company, the Revenue Path Group is just revenuepathgroup.com. On revenuepathgroup.com, you can order the priority sale or go through Amazon, Barnes and Noble online as well. And um, we'll put the links in the show notes so people can great. just click on the link and go get it. We'll, we'll have the links. When's your new one do you think going to be available? Oh man, it's, 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 uh, I would say by the beginning of 21 or 20, 23, 23. Oh my yeah. God. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's just, it's a lifelong journey of, 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 of how acceleration is changing all of us around us. And when you, when you take a look at every single salesperson you have, is either out creating value for you or they're destroying value for you. And I believe that your sellers are unprepared and ill-equipped to create value. So hopefully you'll find that my upcoming book, Battling the Bots, is really about how you as a sales leader can build that transformative culture that withstands this change. All right, man, we are officially out. Any, any, any like one last thought for our 40,000 listeners that are probably like, dude, this is page three. I've, I've filled up page after page. This has been awesome. Brian, I love meeting people like you that have the kind of depth that you have and, and your focus on helping helping how we lead our teams be this defensible competitive advantage. I love it. Got a final thought that you'd share uh, before we, we shut this down? No, I, I would say um, uh, a couple of books that I've enjoyed just to quote there is, yeah. as leaders, I want you to start getting beyond the sales world. Yes, I'd love you to read the priority sale. That's probably the best how-to book on how to sell in today's world of the three deadly C's. 
but I brought two books that I highly recommend. One is Thomas Friedman's Thank You for Being Late. Cool. It's six years old, but this this guy makes very complex things very simple. But it's all this introduced me to the idea six years ago about what acceleration really means. I don't think our brains can comprehend acceleration. And as a leader, once you do that, in my favorite ones today, my wife's reading this now, the future is faster than you think. Both of these, believe it or not, are an optimistic guide to acceleration. But I'll tell you, uh, as leaders and peers, if we don't understand acceleration, we don't prepare and equip our teams for this, it's going to get worse faster on all of us. Can't help it. Don't like it. That's just the way it is. But those two books, I think, will do a really good job, Rob, helping um, your listeners better grasp the change that's coming our way. All right. His name is Brian Gray. He helps teams all around the world defend against the number one biggest challenge that we all face, and it's commoditization. He's helping organizations defend against this new thing that's emerged, and it's here. It's not emerging. It is here. It's called value collapse. He does it in a way that helps people achieve prioritization early in the minds of the people they work with. So stop looking for pain points and start creating prioritization. And what you'll find is that success and improvement can come faster than you think. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. I love what you're doing. This has been an awesome conversation. And as I say to everybody, happy selling, my man. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Our jobs as sales leaders are hard, really hard, and there aren't a lot of resources for sales leaders to turn to. The fact is most companies that spend millions in sales training, sales tools, sales process, and sales people, they spend nothing for sales leadership process, sales leadership training, or, or, or sales leadership tools of any kind. In fact, the only sales leadership tools that we generally see are rolled up dashboards. And while it's true that companies should do more to develop the sales leaders on their team, the fact is that most of the time they don't. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United. It's the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets and resources. Whether you're a new sales leader or one that's been leading teams for years, you're going to find all kinds of tools to help you create more impact with those you lead faster. You can find it on Patreon, and it's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You'll find video excerpts of this and all of our podcasts and three to five minute segments all tagged and organized by topic to help you in your sales leadership journey. You'll find my very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, sales meeting materials that are ready to go right now, leadership and one-on-one -on -one coaching systems, and much, much more. New materials added every week, and you're going to find everything you need to become an elite sales leader in Sales Leadership United. So don't go reinventing sales leadership. Invest in yourself. You're worth it. Tap into the proven training and techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and head over to Sales Leadership United today. I also want to thank each of you, our listeners. We just continue to grow. The show's getting bigger and bigger. It's mind-boggling to me how big and how wide, widely listened to the show is as we approach our 200th episode. I love hearing the stories of how the show's helped you in your sales leadership journey. I love meeting the people that are telling me they listen to every single episode. They fire me up, and I love hearing them. So thank you, because there is no show without you. I do this only because I love the sales leadership community, and I'm so grateful that so many of you have found the show helpful. 
Your support of the show has been humbling. It's been inspiring. And because of you, I'll keep bringing these killer guests every single week. Now, I knew I was going to enjoy this episode with Brian, but I loved it even more than I thought I would. The work Brian's doing is way more timely uh, right now than it could have ever been. In fact, you're going to want to go see the videos of these in Sales Leadership United. I'm having so many more people reach out to me right now than ever before uh, for coaching services. And, and, and a common theme is just wanting some insight and partnership on how they adapt and change in this changing world, changing sales world. Companies are changing that they sell to, and that means how we connect with them also needs to change. And it isn't unusual for me to hear things like, oh man, Rob, the usual things aren't working right now. Or man, what's worked for me for the last X number of years just doesn't seem to move the needle anymore. And I think the reality is that most of the prospects that we call on, they have far more challenges facing them right now than they ever have. Instead of finding the problem, there's like 30, 40, or 50 problems a company could have that are all worth solving. Uh, I'm doing some work with one of my customers, and they have me speaking to members of their target audience. And uh, this large organization told me, we have like 35 to 40 problems that are all trying to be funded, and the reality is we're going to fund three. We're going to fund three. And so I hope that you heard that. Like, I have 35 problems, and we're going to fund three. All 35 are worth solving, is what they told me. We can dollarize a reason to solve every single one of them. We can justify why we should talk about them in meetings and, and why they're worth chasing down. Um, we, we can talk to every one of these vendors about why the, the solution they provide might be valuable and, and that would be helpful to us. So the question isn't, can you find a problem? Those things exist in spades. The question is, can you help customers prioritize the problems you solve? I think the word of selling in the modern world, selling today, I think the word today is priority. It started to happen more than ever during COVID when people really had to limit what they could do and it was just about priority. And, and I think that maybe that's become more important even now. When I deal coach, when I help people build deal coaching systems, we always start with the problem and why it matters. That hasn't changed. In fact, I think very few salespeople can really articulate what the problem is and why it matters. And if you only added that to your deal coaching, your deal coaching probably would get better if people were consistently prepped and ready to talk about what the problem is and why it matters. But what Brian's talking about is something that every single team should consider adding to that. And here it is. Why is that problem one they need to prioritize now? Problems lead to priorities. Priorities lead to people. People lead to process. Those are the four P's of deal coaching in my world, okay? Uh, problems lead to priorities. Priorities lead to, process, to people. People lead to process. Most of the organizations are pretty good with problem. Man, they're okay at problem, but they're pretty good at people. They're pretty good at process, but no one really can talk to me much about priority. That's why you need to read Brian's books. That's why you need to go back and listen to this one, okay? This is a really big one. I, I, I think that why they need to prioritize it now could be the most important thing we get good at because problems are everywhere. But Brian said it so well. Priorities are commitments to overcome the problem, a commitment to overcome the threat. And if you can make that a skill, a discipline, you'll make how you sell be far more important than what you sell. I can tell you, I've spoken with a few of my clients about selling to threats rather than selling to problems since I had this conversation with Brian. And it's made a fast difference in these companies. When you start looking at your customer in terms of the threats, that's significantly different than talking about 
looking at them in terms of the problems. Because every, every threat, it starts with a problem. And most of us have gotten some training and some experience on problem-based selling. We're probably okay at uncovering problems. But I feel like we stop short. We get that little problem and we don't go farther. We don't help it be seen as a threat. And I'm not talking about that political fear-mongering that we see happen all year long, and in particular at election years by both sides. What I'm talking about is a very real business conversation where we help the problem that we've identified become something that the buyer can't stop thinking about. So you need to ask yourself, how do you take a problem on a journey with the buyer that leaves them committed to never deal with this threat or problem ever again? I never want to deal with this threat or problem that, the, that this thing creates. I just don't want to deal with it. My advice is to apply the threat lens to all things you provide to help equip your reps. Most of the people have applied it to the problem lens. See if you can apply it to the threat lens. It's not just semantics. It's very real and it will change your conversations. I know because I've done it. Because Brian's also right when he said pain doesn't get acted on. Threats do. I'm going to say that one more time. Pain doesn't get acted on. Threats do. So don't let your team become commoditized. Don't let your efforts become just more noise in a busy world. Uh, Brian's right. There is value collapse happening all around us right now. Okay. There's a lot of reasons for it. He talks about it here. It's in his books. Um, just make sure that you don't let your efforts become noise in the busy world. Transform the problems to threats. Don't stop short when you hear about a problem and a pain. Do what you need to to help it become a priority. Brian, my new friend, thank you so much for joining me. I love your work. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I encourage every single one of our 40-some thousand listeners to listen to this episode several times and take notes. Break it down. There is a fantastic blueprint here you can leverage to create impact quickly. If you have not connected with Brian, please be sure to do so. Get his books. I've read the Priority Sale, and it's fantastic. Follow his content. We're going to have some links in the show notes for you to make it easy to connect with him. My advice is to take advantage of it so you can let Brian help you move from problem to priority because when you do, everything changes fast. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you liked this episode, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. Many of you have asked how you can support the show. You can do it two ways. The first is to check out Sales Leadership United. For the cost of lunch, you can make an investment in yourself that will be a game changer. But the easiest way to support us is share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite. Live strong. Do meaningful work. And don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, Want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.